So when I, when I say undone, what do, you, what do you think of? Give me some feedback here. Not finished, undone. How many of us got some unfinished? I've still got some trim that needs done in my house. I probably have a receptacle that needs a cover on it. You know what I mean? Um, undone. Half-baked. Yeah, half-baked. Messed up. Undone is messed up. For example, being, uh, there's a cool word, disheveled. Do you know the word disheveled? Disheveled might mean like uh, some of you ladies, you, you obviously you spent some time on your hair this morning. But when you woke up, you had some bed head and you were disheveled. <laughs> you see what I mean? Disheveled means kind of frumpy or unkempt is the word. So some of you like to be unkempt when it's your day off. See, you wouldn't want to be seen on those days, right? What else? Undone. Another, another word for undone. Messed up. Um, not, not finished. Loose ends. A lot of loose ends. How many of us got some loose ends? Kind of, I call them dangling chads now. But there's evidence that somebody was there, but, you know, there's still, it's not finished. What else? Anybody else? So you can look at it from these three different angles, okay? This is how I've got it written down. One is dismantled, tore down, or broke. Dismantled, tore down, or broke. For example, Legos. We used to do Legos all the time, but they don't go back into the box very good when they're still constructed. So you got to tear them down, if you will, dismantle it to put it back. So, you know, here it was finished, now it's undone. Then the second one is things that I didn't do or finish. For example, those are the things that I generally would feel bad about. This is the play on words. Some of you are got that and you don't even like the concept because you're convicted by that. You think, man, your life, when if you sat there and you began to think about all the things that aren't done and the things that are going to go into 2014 that you didn't want to lug around anymore, then that kind of brings a heaviness to us, doesn't it? Starts making you feel bad about the things that you didn't do and that you're a slacker. How many of you call yourselves a slacker? Come on, be honest. How many of you call yourselves a slacker? How many of you get called a slacker? Somebody else recognizes it in you if you don't recognize it in yourself, you see? How many of you like being called a slacker? Nobody likes being called a slacker, see? So the issue is, is that things I didn't do or finish, which I feel bad about, but let me give you this twist on it. The things I didn't do or commit, such as sin, Did you ever think about it that way? Something that's undone is being something, a sin condition, an issue in your life. You know, with that one, see, I'm not grieved and I'm not stressed. I'm actually ecstatic. Did you know I was tempted this week? Anybody else tempted this week? Tempted with cussing, bad language, spewing something? Some of you tempted by looking at something? Some of you tempted by you're trying to quit smoking or drinking or eating, you know, three bags of chips? See what I mean? So you got something that you're working toward, and so here it is, but you didn't give in this week. I stopped with five potato chips, but the whole bag was there. <laughs> and, and I knew that in that case, to be done would have been that I crinkled the bag, big bag up, by the way, crinkle that bag up and throw it away. Hmm, that would have been bad. So for me, an undone that was a good undone is the things that I was tempted in. The things that I was being drawn away by, but I didn't go there. God helped me. And in that moment, I heard his voice. And, you know, it was like, don't, don't, don't even go there. You know, a few years ago, we talked about that. What? 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 
You know, that's this little caution, this warning. that ah, Don't go there. Ah, ah. You should have an ear to hear ah, from the Holy Spirit. Because that's who does, that, that bring, he brings conviction to us. And it's the, ah, that'll cause us to not go somewhere in, in a sin condition. Now listen to Webster's Dictionary does it this way. To be undone is not fastened or tied. Not fastened or tied. Now think about it this way, folks. When you come to Jesus, you're no longer bound. That's a good undone. See? You're not bound. You're not in bondage. Not done or unfinished. Which means, as a Christian, I keep my eye on the prize. I'm not, I'm not, it's, Paul says, it's not as if I've arrived. I keep my, I keep on working at it. I keep going for the goal. The upward high calling of God. So undone doesn't have the negative. It doesn't have to have the negative. Like I, things I didn't do. Things who I'm not, I'm not all together. Instead, it's, it's this, how about this idea that I'm undone is that I'm not done in my pursuit of God. And guess what? I'm undone in this life until I, this life is over. Then I'm done. But then what happens is I have a reunion with God. My undone in this life causes me to look forward to a reunion that I have with God. Where everything is fixed. Where we're reunited with, with anything that was good. All family, anything else. Whatever. I don't know where you're at with all that stuff. Do pets, dogs go to heaven or not? Or It doesn't matter to me. When we get to glory land, the only thing that really is going to matter is did we see Jesus? Do we see him face to face? And I'm going to tell you, that'll make everything else go away. All the questions. How about this? Webster says, defeated or destroyed. Well, how about this? The cross of Christ took our sin and took our penalty. And so we no longer have to pay that price for our penalty. We don't get what we, got, we, we have coming to us. We don't get what we deserve even. Do you realize that? We, just let me tell you, one of the most profound evidences of God is the fact that you get away with the stuff that you might end up. You sinned and nobody else knows, just you. And you got away with it. And no, he didn't zap you. Oh, sometimes as a preacher, I, I've just, I'd like that to happen. I'd like for it to be like, okay, zap him. But guess what? He refuses to do that. He doesn't want to destroy you and he doesn't want to annihilate you. He doesn't want you to perish in your transgression, in your sin. So what does he do? He just long suffering. He works with you. He just waits on you. He continues to speak to us and pour out his spirit and convict us. And what happens? We draw close to him again. That's what he wants us to do. He, he's, he doesn't want us. He, he doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants us all to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. So, defeated or destroyed. I'm just giving the Christian take on Webster's Dictionary. And then the last one is not performed. What does that do? That which is not performed is undone, not performed. Well, guess what? That still gives us hope. See? There's a passage I'll give you shortly about that. That gives us an expectation or a hunger for, doesn't it? It's kind of like... You know, you do taxidermy, and so what happens is you take from this, this raw whatever, and you have a, what you know it's supposed to look like, and you talk to them, and this is what they want, and though you're not going to cheat and give it bigger horns or more spikes, you, you try to, here it is, a representation of, and in the middle of it, there's all this work to be done, but you know that what the finished product's going to look like, and you have an eye to see that. 
And so what do you do? You don't quit in the middle of it. You continue that, that pursuit until you have something that is a, a trophy in the end. It's a reminder of that event. And so hope, uh, how about a pursuit of? Do you know what, what people need? You all need a pursuit of something. Because when you don't have, I just talked to some retirees this week, most miserable people. Do you know why? They're, they're miserable because that routine and that cycle of life and the things that, that they really motivated and lived by and it inspired them for so many years, all of a sudden, it's gone. They get up and they get to sleep in now and there's, there's nothing kind of going on. What am I getting dressed for? Why bother? And that depression and despair sets in. See? And so it's like, you know, my encouragement to them is, you know, get a job at Walmart being a door greeter or something. Get out there and live life. Get out there and be part of something. Shake some hands. Give some hugs. Talk to people. Listen to people. Do something to interact because that's what God has for each and every one of us. Not to be holed up in some place that just becomes a dungeon. But that's what we do way too many times. You know why? Because people are hard. It's not easy sometimes being around people. That's what's so glorious about his church is he brings all this diversity together and he wants us to learn how to have one heart and one mind. Wow, there's a thought. So done and undone is a two-edged sword. Things we do, we shouldn't, and things we should, but we don't. Right? And the good thing is, Christ finished it all. So those, though I'm undone, Remember, that's uh, Isaiah 6. Woe is me. I'm a man with unclean lips. I'm undone. When in, in light of his righteousness, ooh, I've got, I've got a lot of work to be done in my life. But see, in this case, Christ has done it. So here, what's, what's, what about some good undone things? Can you think about some good undone things in your life? Think about those sin things. Your plan, and God changed it. Anybody ever have a plan that God changed? <laughs> it's wholly messing with you kind of thing. So I have a plan and God changed it. That's Proverbs 16, 9, what I read earlier to you. A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord directs their steps. Oh, you might think that you've been in charge, but, you know, he lets you wander. But when you're directed, you no longer wander, see? How many of you want to stop wandering and begin to be directed? Let God be doing that work. Your plan, how about this? Your plan and God stopped it. See, to change it is one thing. That's just a little fine-tuning thing. But to stop it and say, nope. Nope. Not into that. I'm not going to finance it anymore. You ever think that there's a reason for something happening in your life? That maybe it's God just saying, stop. You know, he has an amazing way to stop things. He'll dry it up. That's a good way he does it. See? Other ways, he can bring a flood. He can do whatever he wants to do to stop it. So it's good for us is to know the will of God and to be able to recognize if he's not into something, if he stopped it, stop trying to get everybody else to pray for that because now your prayers are futile because you don't have the mind of Christ. You're asking him with wrong motives. Maybe it's because of how you're treating guys, especially how you're treating your wives. That says actually that that's a, that's a, that's a situation that will hinder your prayer life. So if you're not getting prayers answered, it might be how you're treating your bride because God ain't happy with that. You better be dying in some way. So that's how you get life.
So your plan and God stopped it. How about Satan's plan and you read? You ran or you fled. <laughs> you read. You ran or you fled. Satan's plan, meaning he wanted you to go here and you were almost going to just bite and go all in on that thing. And meanwhile, all of a sudden, you recognized it, you saw the enemy and his horns and his uh, big pitchfork, and you just said, oh, no, no, no. I'm not, no, I'm not going there. No way. See what I mean? I'm not, I'm not going to consider it. I'm not thinking about it. I'm not going to ask anybody about it. I know this is a situation I need to flee. See? How many of you have had a situation you've fled from? Yeah. You fled from. How about Satan's plan and you didn't sin? You didn't bite? See, it's not that you just didn't, didn't you, you ran or you fled, but how about the idea that you withstood the temptation? And, and see, in that case, you didn't sin. I love what the Bible says about anger. How many of you have anger problems? Go ahead, let's see. It's confession time. Ooh, boy. <laughs> it's bad when couples have anger problems, by the way. <laughs> I was going to say, usually there's one who helps the other. So when we get mad, it's just like... It's a category five, you know, it's the roof's coming off. So here's the thing. He says, be angry and do not sin. Wow. Don't let the sun go down on your anger. So in other words, that's a place where, for example, is that Satan has a plan for your anger to cause sin. For you to let that steam and get bitterness and for it to begin to consume us, see? But God's plan is you can be angry because that's part of passion. See, anger is part of passion. What we have to do is couples, when we get whacked out, by the way, and angry at each other, what happens is if we're not talking about, we're, we're not on the same page. We're both passionate, which is a good thing. That might have been what drew us together to begin with. And what devil's trying to do is use that passion to divide us. See, cause strife. What God wants to do is show us how much we need him in the midst of that. So don't let the sun go down means, Lord, I give you that anger right now. I give you that person. I don't want to live in unforgiveness. I don't want to live with bitterness. I don't want any jealousy, envy, strife. That's all the the garbage of this life. So I come to you and I ask you, God, make my heart right toward my wife, toward my husband, toward my children, toward my employer, toward church, toward pastor, toward Whatever that is, see? Make my heart right, God. So Satan's plan and you, didn't, and you didn't sin. Satan's scheme and you didn't buy in. Do you know what you have to do? Sometimes Satan plants a little seed of deceit. And what he does is it, it, it's, it's, uh, it looks so good, it makes us begin to go there. We think it's okay, and so we want to go there. And we buy in, and it's that little leaven that ruins the whole loaf, the poison. That it, it's that little part that poisons everything. And what happens is that's his scheme. Just like God has a plan, the devil has a scheme. Even just the way I say that should tell you something. That should be ominous in itself. That, that devil has a scheme and God has a plan. Well, it's actually that God had a plan and the devil had a scheme. See, the scheme is evil and wicked. Just sounds that way, doesn't it? Scheme. And God's plan was to prosper us, to give us a future and a hope. But the devil's scheme is to come and steal, kill, and destroy See, so what you need to do is be aware of the devil's scheme. What's the devil want in this? It's a good question to ask right after you ask, what's God want in this? So here's what I do. What's God doing? What's he saying? Why am I stirred up this way? What's going on? Why, do I, why am I undone? Why am I feisty about this thing? And God will say something if you'll listen. 
It's about you. Oh, I think it's about them. It's about them. It's about them. It's about them. Oh, no, it's about you. Because God says, hey, you, you. But, but see, the flesh wants to tell it, it's about everybody else. So when we feel undone. Here's what Isaiah 43 says. You guys know this verse probably, don't you? A lot of you do. We know it is, don't call to mind the former things nor ponder things of the past. Behold, I will do something new. Well, here's a, here it is in verses 18 to 20. Forget all that. I love this. The version New Living Translation says, but forget all that. It's nothing compared to what I am going to do. Tonight when you go home or today when you go home, you look in the mirror and, and you could phrase that tomorrow morning when you get up. <laughs> look at that and say, this is as good as it's going to get. And then you say, this is nothing compared to what God's going to do. Wow, do you know how that will change your life? If you begin to live with that revelation that says, here it is, this is as good as it's going to get, but God is going to continue this work he began in me. He's nothing, I'm nothing compared to what he's going to do. For I am about to do something new, God says. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too, for giving them water in the desert. Yes, I will make rivers in the dry wasteland so my chosen people, say I am chosen, (laughs) say that'd be me, yep, can be refreshed. God wants you to be refreshed. Think about what you really need. Think of what you... You know, maybe I used to open a can of brew because that would, oh, refreshing. Diet Mountain Dew, oh, refreshing. You know, smoke of this, a do of that, a go of here, watch of this. And we think, oh, refreshing. No, it's not refreshing. It's deadening. It's dulling. It's dumbing down. See? Really what's refreshing is to come into the place for what God has for us. So, Going into the new year, undone. One thing I have not done. I want you to focus on it in a good way and on a bad way. The bad way is, gosh, I still got stuff that needs to be finished at the house. I've still got stuff. If you, uh, my, my desk is just polluted with stuff. I'm spending this week um, trying to get it done so I can go into the year with one thing that's undone that I think ought to be done. <laughs> I need more order and organization in my life. Anybody with me on that? Please, let's pray together, huh? And, and then I want you to think about one thing that, that is undone. For example, many times, you know what a pastor wants to do? A, pas- a pastor wants to leave. A pastor wants to go. A pastor wants to, many times I see stuff about overseas and how hungry they are for God. And as a pastor, I think that's what I want to do. I want to go where instead of trying to make people come on, is that I'm, I'm, they're all just showing up and I'm having like, whoa, wait, wait. Like Jesus, when it says, and, and, you know, finally he had to sneak away because the crowds were just, everybody was coming to him. And sometimes as a pastor, I'm like, God, over there, I was in Nepal, I was in Mexico, and I've been there where the people, they lined and there, were, there was no room there, the, the, as big as it was. And then there were five and six deep outside the hut. And they were all hungry and they were clamoring and it's 100 plus degrees in Nepal. And they couldn't get enough. And it was like, okay, well, I need to end. No, we don't. That's not what we do. We spend all day here. We're, we're four hours, five hours. Oh, okay, because I'm used to 30, 45 minutes of preaching. No, no, you go. We don't get this dance many times. So you, you speak, speak. Oh, are you serious? Do I have to go home? 
And so as a pastor, sometimes just to stay, not because you're miserable, it's, it's, it's the job, it's the position, it's, it's what is required. And you know what? I'm not going to let undone. I haven't finished the work. I've been sowing seeds. There's a harvest coming. Part of you, you're the harvest. Did you know you're part of the harvest? You're part of the promise? Each and every one of you. Man, God's been, he wants to draw you in and he wants to grow you up and he wants to, to send you then out so that you'll impact lives. That's part of what we do here on a Sunday morning. That's part of my job. We call it in one of our classes we do, the 101, we call it that I'm the administrator and you're the ministers. That's the way it's supposed to work. I'm supposed to train you up and equip you to do the works of ministry. That's what I'm supposed to do. And so it's not me doing it, it's what you do. So why are you looking at me for that? All I'm supposed to do is get you ready and send you out there. That's what I'm supposed to do. And then you get to go out there and I get to applaud you. Good job. Man, you're awesome. Give it to God. Give him the glory. Don't get all whacked. So here's, here's it, here it is. <laughs> it, it's not that we will do something new. It's not that we will do something new. It is that we will finish something and that in itself will be new. Think about it. If you finish something that's left undone that should be finished, that'll be something new if you actually complete that thing, wouldn't it? Finish reading the Bible. Some have told me that they've never read the Bible. Some have told me they've never read the whole New Testament or the Old Testament. Some have told me they read all the New Testament, but none of the Old Testament. Some have told me they've never read. That's okay. Start. Whatever you do will be better than what you weren't doing. And if you're, not, if you're a zero, whatever you do is, is an increase. That's a, what a cool way to look at it. See? How about this? Ecclesiastes. I just did the funeral this week for a gentleman he visited a couple weeks ago. And um, I got a sense for that. Even there, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to resist this undone because at 44 years old, I just think that there were probably some things that were undone. And I know as I talked with the family that there were some things that weren't spoken and there were things not shared and that were undone. In Ecclesiastes 3, it says that there's a time for everything. See? And <laughs> nothing is new. Everything that was already has been. Do you understand the futility of that? It means as a preacher, there's probably no sermon that I'll ever preach that's not already been preached before by someone somewhere. Preacher, one of the goals is to try to bring something profound, something that you're going you're gonna to gnaw on it and, and, and even let the vultures come and pick some of the meat because there's so much abundance there. That's what a preacher wants to do. He wants to deliver. He wants to give you that, wow, you go away and say, man, that was, that was really solid food. That's hard to deliver because I need the Holy Spirit to do that. See, when you don't get something out of a message, you need to be saying, hey, Holy Spirit, I need my ears anointed. I need you to come and, and, and give me insight. Help me to glean from, from what you're, you're saying here. It's your word. To say that it doesn't do anything, that means it, it's not the preacher is dull. It's me that's dull. I'm the same way. When I read my Bible, it's me that's got to, if I'm not getting something, I know it's a condition of my heart. It's about me, see? And yet that's part of what a preacher's for, is to help expound on the words. So here it is, Ecclesiastes 3. There, for everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven, 
a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to harvest, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to tear down and a time to build up, a time to cry and a time to laugh, a time to grieve and a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace and a time to turn away, a time to search and a time to quit searching, a time to keep and a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be quiet and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. What do people really get for all their hard work? I've seen the burden God has placed on us all, yet God has made everything beautiful for its own time. He has planted eternity in the human heart, but even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning to end. So I concluded there's nothing better than to be happy and enjoy ourselves as long as we can. And people, anybody say amen to that? And people should eat and drink and enjoy the fruits of their labor for these are gifts from God. And I know that whatever God does is final. Nothing can be added to it or taken from it. God's purpose is that the people should fear him. That means reverently fear him. What is happening now has happened before. And what will happen in the future has happened before. Because God makes the same things happen over and over again. Now, that might sound like futility to you. What it does to me is he says that he's going to keep on keeping on because there's undone stuff in all kinds of undone people. Amen? So you, what you do is celebrate what is left undone, and that, was, that, that wasn't supposed to be done. See? Celebrate what is left undone that wasn't supposed to be done. And repent for those things undone, which we should have done. See, it's a good way to go into it. That means we're coming to an end. To repent means to acknowledge the sin in it. By the way, the Bible says that to him who knows the right thing to do and doesn't do it, to him that is sin. So see, I'm not going to stand here and give you seven deadly sins or 27,000 sins. I'm just telling you, if, if you know that you're supposed to have done something, you didn't do it, and it was righteous, meaning it would stand up under God's microscope, that's sin. You're supposed to forgive somebody. You're supposed to talk to somebody. You're supposed to listen to somebody. You're supposed to, whatever that is that God says, if you don't do it, that's sin, because that's rebellion. That means, no, I'm not doing it. <laughs> Let them. They're doing it, not me. Repent means to acknowledge the sin in it, to turn away from it, which means change, and to make it better, which means to redeem it. That might mean that you have, to, you have to pay something out of your own pocket or out of your own life. It should cost you something. The good thing is it doesn't cost us in God as far as what we have to do to pay for heaven. You can't pay enough to get heaven. That, that's already paid for us. Revelation 3 says this. I love the way this, this is why we do, I, I encourage you to read not just one translation of the Bible, but several, okay? Here's what New American says. I know your deeds. Behold, this is Revelation 3, 8. Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut because you have a little power and have kept my word and have not denied my name. See? I know your deeds. That's New American. Listen to the message now. I see what you've done. Now see what I've done. See, that's the undone condition. Here's what we did, and it's undone. And here's what he's done, and it's finished. I see what you've done. 
Now see what I've done. I've opened a door before you so that no man, uh, no one can slam shut. You don't have much strength. I know that. You used what you had to keep my word. You didn't deny me when times were rough. Folks, it doesn't mean that you might have success here, but sometimes just holding on to faith, continuing to, to work on that relationship, continuing to, to read the Bible when it's confusing or confounding to you, going on and going to church when you're not getting anything out of it. See, those are all parts of it. That's why you want to go. It's what you want to do. You don't want to give up. You don't want to quit. Why? Because God doesn't quit. Let's see how First Peter says it. It's chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable and undefiled and will not fade away, reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible. And full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Folks, we don't understand all of salvation because in this case, it's talking about that which we're holding, looking forward to. And yet, if I asked you if you're saved, you would tell me you are. And I'm going to tell you that salvation is a process. It's a process by which you only fully realize how saved you are in the day when you could have faced imminent judgment and punishment for your sins and your transgressions and your lies and the deceit. Instead, you'll find mercy, and then salvation will be revealed to you. So right now, even in your salvation, which you hold, you're undone because you don't fully understand or comprehend it. But he's, it is finished, is what Jesus said. And what that tells us is, though we don't understand it, I don't know if you're once saved, always saved. I have, I have my own take on all that stuff. I don't know if you can just play the game any old way you want to and still get there. That's not my choice. That's him. That's what he's going to decide. The issue is you get to choose here what kind of life you're going to live. The best way you can do is recognize we're undone for a reason. We're undone for a reason. We can look at what is undone and it reveals something about us or our lives. We're, we're lazy, too busy, distracted, flippant. Isn't that the reason you would have undone stuff in your life, unfinished stuff? Or, second way, we are capable, committed, committed, carefree, not bound, and cautious. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not just anything's acceptable for me. See, being undone is something that this work of the cross in my life. If we ask God, he will help us. He will help us to do what he wants, and he will undo or fix what we've done. In your bulletin, James chapter 1. See right there, I put it, just a little excerpt about it. Not all the verses, only a couple. Ready? Read that with me if you would. It's James 1. It's first, verse, first, uh, first one up there. 
Consider all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Wow, that's what we're talking about. See, letting God fix or undo what we've done. Either way, in the end, God's purpose for our lives is that we bring him glory. Go ahead and look at 17 down at the bottom. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. What's that A word in there again? He accomplished it. Folks, no matter how undone you might seem to yourselves, he's got a finished work of the cross that he's already applied in your life. And what I come to an understanding years ago is that I'm just trying to catch up. He's already been there. He did that almost 1979 years ago. Christ died on the cross and he forgave me of every sin, of the sin I'll commit tomorrow or next week. Already forgiven. (laughs) Put that in your pipe and smoke it. That's how profound it is. This undoneness of mine is not undone with him. Amen? I want to just finish with these three keys to living done in an undone condition. Three keys to living done in an undone condition. One is information. You got to have new information. It's the reason why we perish. People perish. The Bible says my people perish for lack of knowledge. See, you need new information. That's why you would want to come to Financial Peace University. Because you've never been through something like that. Because you need new information. You keep trying to do with the old. And guess what? It's like a dead battery. I remember they told me that the battery, the reason it's, it's dead is because in this case, we might be able to just put new acid in the battery and then put it on a trickle charge and it could rejuvenate the battery. Another time, it was a dead cell. There's nothing, just got to replace the battery. So you need new information. You need new juice. The second one comes kind of out of that is formation. You need God to do the work. He says, I'm the potter and you are the clay. Let him be the potter. Let him, let him fix your life. Let him put his hands on you. Be still on that place where he puts you and then he turns you around and around and around. See? And the last one is transformation, which says don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what happens when you're challenged. The key, Philippians 1, 6, it says, He who began a good work in you will perfect it. Guess what that is? It's by his word. It cuts like a knife. It says it's a two-edged sword. I like to think of it as a scalpel. It's something precision that he uses. The sword is good for lopping stuff off and chopping it up and cutting it down. But the scalpel comes to that intimate work of God where when we lay ourselves before him, In the end, what he wants is he wants us to bring a sacrifice. No, Jesus is the one perfect sacrifice for all time. But he only led us in what we should do, which we need to sacrifice. We need to bring in both of our undones. See? That in all things he will be exalted. He will receive praise. God's glorified. Be glorified by your work in me. And you need to leave it at the altar. Make your altar his altar.
being able to say, God, obviously, if I could do this on my own, it wouldn't be so undone. So God, please complete the work that you began in me.